0: Hi, this is the Robberator, and you can support my mad grab for power and the Sword and Laser Podcast by going to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Tom Merritt. And I'm Jenny Colvin. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it is so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. And I'm very excited this month uh, to have our guest co-host, because Veronica Belmont still on maternity leave with her wonderful baby. They're doing great. Uh, but Jenny Colvin uh, from Reading Envy has joined us. Jenny, welcome. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. I'm a longtime member, of course, so... That was one of the reasons I asked you to be the guest host this month is because this is the community chosen book. That makes sense. Yeah. So having someone from the community made sense. Uh, You've got a fine podcast of your own. So you're like a pro at all of this. Just perfect. (laughs) Well, what are you uh, drinking these days, Jenny?
1: Well, this is going to sound strange, but um, strawberry ginger cider. It's like a craft cider and it's not sweet at all.
0: <laughs> so it's one of those tart like sour ciders.
1: yeah, it's more dry than tart
0: uh-huh oh okay, okay. <laughs> I'm yeah.
1: not sure it's exactly what I was expecting, but it'll it's like springy so that's mm, good. <laughs>
0: yeah when you put strawberry on something, you kind of attend, expect it to be sweet so I, I can see what yeah. a surprise. That but I am good. ready for spring, so that's good. yeah, yeah. how about I, you? I have been drinking uh, Mr. Brown iced coffee caramel latte today. It is a, it's a, we get it at the Ranch 99 grocery store. They're just like little, little cans of nice cold latte coffee. And it is very sweet, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. It's good stuff. Sounds good. All right. Are you ready for the quick burns? I'm ready. Bad news, sort of, kind of. Well, maybe. Depends on how you look at it. WorldCon 2021 has been delayed, not canceled, delayed. It was going to be in August. It's now going to take place in December, December 15th through the 19th. It will still take place in Washington, D.C., and it will be an in-person convention. The reason they're delaying it is they really want it to have no... COVID restrictions, there'll probably still be some masks and social distancing involved, who knows. But the idea is they want to have an in-person convention without having to compromise on anything. The venue has changed. It will no longer be at the Marriott Wardman Park Hotel. It'll be in the Omni Shoreham Hotel. And Worldcon 2022 is still scheduled as it was, if you're curious about that. That's happening in Chicago, September 1st through the 5th, 2022. So we'll have this long period of time between Worldcons and then a shorter period of time between the next two.
1: But it's so exciting because they're local. I mean, I could drive to D.C.
0: Oh, that's great. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So you're, you're close. Yeah. Much easier than flying to New Zealand. And in person. So it yeah. would be worth driving to, unlike a virtual conference, which
1: might be the year I have to go. I don't know. Yeah.
0: I don't know. If I were you, I would totally do it. I don't know if I'll fly across the country in December. If it were right now, I wouldn't. But I yeah. have no idea what things are going to be like in December.
1: Oh, let's hope, though. Yeah, fingers
0: <laughs> crossed. Fingers crossed.
1: Okay, me. Um. Well, Jan says that Tor.com reports that HarperCollins will release a special new omnibus edition of Lord of the Rings that will feature Tolkien's own drawings created for the trilogy. And I think this is also Jan's note that if you're just interested in the art, it might be cheaper to acquire some of the previous books that contain the art. So it's not necessarily new content, just a new package. But you could look at something like Maker of Middle-Earth or The Art of the Lord of the Rings.
0: Yeah, I have a copy of The Art of the Lord of the Rings. It was a a gift from a friend, a big Lord of the Rings fan, and it is gorgeous. I'm still kind of tempted to even get it in a new edition because it's new. (laughs) it's looks really gorgeous too. I'm just looking at it. And
1: omnibus means it's all one volume, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's just nice. Nice bound. Uh, But yeah, I like, I like that young gave us a a kind of a workaround. If you're like, you know, too, too rich for my blood. You can still find some of that art. Uh, There's also other Lord of the Rings news out there. Uh, Mark posted that a lost Russian made for TV adaptation of Lord of the Rings has been posted on YouTube Parts one and two. Uh, I have been covering this on every show I do. We talked about it on Daily Tech (laughs) News show. We talked about it on Cord Killers. We're talking about it here. Uh, This was created in 1991, months before the fall of the Soviet Union. So this is one of the last examples of a Soviet television. And it is horrible like it's so it's so low budget you could tell the Soviet Union was running out of money because like it, it it is all super low budget it looks more like it was made like BBC from the 70s than anything made in the 90s
1: well and with my librarian hat on I have to ask uh, was it an authorized version yes no
0: good question <laughs> uh this was originally aired on leningrad television which became a Russian uh channel called oh, I want to say st5. Uh, but this is, they pulled it from their actual vault. They are the rights holders to this. Oh. So they they had the rights to publish it and they put it on their channel. Wow.
1: It's yeah. probably worth a check.
0: <laughs> it's, it's definitely worth a gander. Uh, it's five TV. It's five TV is the name of the channel. Uh, okay. it it's weird. It's all in Russian. Uh, you can turn on captions, but they're going to be in Russian. And, but, you you know, if you know the Lord of the Rings story, you kind of tell where they are. Tom Bombadil's in it. They didn't leave him out. <laughs> wow.
1: Well, uh, Mark has said that the 2021 Lammy finalists for LGBTQ science fiction, fantasy, and horror are Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse, Everyone on the Moon is Essential Personnel by Julian K. Jarbo, The Order of the Pure Moon Reflected in Water by Zen Cho, Silence of the Wilting Skin by Tlotlod Swamase and Subcutanean by Aaron A. Reed. Uh, Winners in all categories will be announced June 1st at a virtual Lammy ceremony, which is free for all to attend. Well, that would be fun. Do they do that every time? Or is that just a COVID thing? (laughs) I
0: think it might just be a COVID thing, uh, but maybe they'll start doing it more often. Uh, And what a, a great lineup of books, too. Mm hmm.
1: I still meant to get to Black Sun. I haven't
0: read that one yet. Yeah, me either. I need to get that one's on my list. Uh, Mark pointed out the 2021 Philip K. Dick Award winner has been announced for Distinguished Original Science Fiction Paperback, published for the first time in 2020. It is Road Out of Winter by Allison Stein, and a special citation was given to the Book of Coley by M.R. Carey. Hmm.
1: And also from Jan, the British Science Fiction Awards have been awarded as well. The winner for Best Novel is The City We Became by N.K. Jemisin. The other winners can be found at Tor.com.
0: I, we're not going to get the Hugos till December, or I would make some kind of connection like, oh, uh, if you get the BSFA, is that you know a good sign uh, for the Hugos? But it's, it, <laughs> it's a little too early to start making those calls. Yeah. And then Jan posted that the hugely popular actual play D and D streamer and former sword and laser geek and sundry buddy critical role will in partnership with penguin random house and Delray publish its first fantasy novel. So yeah, the, the, the show, the video show critical role will publish a fantasy novel called kith and kin written by Mariaki Nick jump. This is where it ends is another thing they, they have written. The novel will follow a brand new story featuring the cunning ranger Vexalia and the conning rogue Vaxildan, and of course Trinket, years before they meet Vox Machina. After leaving the unwelcoming refuge of Syngorn, the twins become entangled in a web spun by the clasp, and for the first time, Vex and Vax find themselves on opposite sides of a conflict that threatens the home they have carried with each other for years. Kith and Kin will hit shelves October 26th, 2021.
1: Uh, gold star for pronunciation of a lot of words.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm not going to claim that I got them all right, but I did <laughs> actually pronounce them some in some way. Yeah. Uh, let me, yeah. Trinket. I'm pretty sure I nailed that one. So yeah. Yeah. I, I like this idea of, uh, I mean, critical role obviously built because it's D and D for stories. They tell stories all the time. So it makes sense that they would, they would put out a novel. Yeah. It's such a great idea. All right. Let's time to bear your sword. Our feedback from the audience in our discord Puzzlebound wrote, uh, I just finished the goblin emperor and went back and listened to the related sword and laser episodes from 2015. I came for the goblin emperor discussion, but stayed for everything else. The time capsule nature of the podcasts are so great. Debates about how HBO could best finish Game of Thrones, the perfect TV show. Now that we've caught up to the books, so I guess we had just caught up to the books with the TV show at that point in time. (laughs) Hype around Station Eleven, featuring a far-fetched global pandemic. That could never happen. Uh, The imminent release of book four of the Gentleman Bastards series. Full confidence in the awesomeness of Ready Player One, held by Steven Spielberg. Uh, A nice reminder of how unknowable the future is. Aw, I like that
1: wow i feel like i don't hear about the gentleman bastards series anymore i know are they done are they Um, over
0: i don't think so i don't think he's wrapped it up um (laughs) no we're still we're still waiting
1: it's time for that to come back. i mean i know he
0: hasn't wrapped up the story (laughs) i'm just saying i don't think he's called time on it i I think he still has to put out more so
1: (sighs) (sighs) well tt lindsay which is at tt underscore lindsay and Twitter? I'm mm-hmm. guessing yes. Um, tweeted at Sword and Laser. Seriously, you are all mana from heaven for lonely readers in the hinterlands.
0: Oh, Thanks, TT. Glad to That's hear So it. nice. Yeah. And then also from Discord, Aaron Bell uh wrote, I'm reading and listening to Blind Sight for another book club. This one has been on my list for a long time. So do spacefaring vampires make it sword or a laser? It seems to lean heavily to the latter, but I'm only 50% in. It looks like this was a sword and laser read back in 2011. And Tassie Dave responded, I remember at the time that Blindside was pitched as being hard science fiction, which a few people had a problem with because vampires. Face with raised (laughs) eyebrow, bat, vampire, bat, emoji. I think most people see it as sci-fi, but maybe not hard sci-fi. Yeah, that was a big raging topic. I don't know if you remember that.
1: I do. I still haven't read the book, but I remember the debate.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I feel like I, I can't even remember what my position was back then. But I, in, in my memory, I feel like there was enough hard sci-fi in it that if you just said, OK, but vampires, it was hard sci-fi. It was mm. hard sci-fi, but with vampires. And I know there was a like a biological explanation for the vampires and everything. So,
1: oh, see, that's yeah. science. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh just to just f- enjoy don't get too caught.
1: i feel weird reading this one um because it's about <laughs> me but um Turf kristen says so excited to see jenny as a guest host also wow a book i voted for one this is the first time that's happened in march madness i think
0: congratulations, well, congratulations <laughs> <Kristen>. <laughs> uh yes and we were very excited to see and you thank you <laughs> All right, let's get to our book of the month discussion now, because our book this month, The House in the Cerulean Sea, was picked by the tournament. uh, It means that a lot of people were maybe kind of hoping that the other book would win and maybe kind of excited to read it. And this happens with our tournament a lot, which a lot of people are going to read both books. Uh, and some people are definitely going to read the book that didn't win the tournament, which is gods of Jade and shadow by Sylvia Moreno Garcia. And Jenny, you had the great idea of passing along some information about this. Cause I, I are you going to read it?
1: Oh, I read it. Oh, you I actually, That's right. That's be- right. yeah. Yeah. Before the final round, I bought it because I felt like I was going to be prepared and, um, I was actually a little surprised it didn't win, but I did read it last week. I thought it was great. I've read other books by this author. So she has this way of taking Mexican mythology and folklore and then like a time period and then writing a story usually about um, independently minded woman Uh (laughs) who has to do something like so this one is based on characters from the Popol Vuh, which is a Mm -hmm. um, mythological kind of text, folkloric text from, you know, way back in like Guatemala type region and so it's the gods yeah, and she has Mayan to travel text, with one of the gods remember, across the yeah. country mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's pretty exciting and um if you like fantasy mixed with like mythology and folklore it's a great a great read
0: that is amazing and that's always the problem with the tournament is we always get two really good books uh at yeah. the end, and they're both they're always both worth reading and there's i mean it's almost random that one of them wins usually. Yeah. Uh, so
1: I was excited about the top four. I, there's one more on there that I haven't read that I still want to get back to. I'd read the Aronovich or Aronovich, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I can't remember what the fourth one was.
0: Uh, yeah. I had to pull up the tournament, which I can do, but it looked great too. Yeah.
1: They all look great.
0: <laughs> but I, I always think of the tournament really as a way to ha- help people get exposed to more books and they should read all of them. If they want to, you know, like it's, it's definitely not, uh, it's not a problem. The ruthless ladies guide to, yes, what was it Two. Uh, ruthless ladies guide to wizardry by CM Wagoner was the other one. to a wizardry.
1: Yeah. That one sounded fun.
0: And rivers of London.
1: And we need some fun.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually. Um, that might be one of the reasons the house in the Cerulean sea one is it, it feels a little lighter hearted uh yes. then maybe Gods of Jade and Shadow. So so you pick your flavor, you know. Uh
1: Yeah, I think it's really gotten a lot of um credit for being the feel good book of the year. So
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh well, anything else about Gods of Jade and Shadow and you you want to pass along before we kick off, House?
1: I mean, I just think I people should read any one of her books she reads or she's written all these different tiny like subgenres. And so if gods of jade and shadow doesn't quite sound like it, there's a vampire Mexico city one. And there's a, I think there's a mystery one. So I think she's great.
0: Excellent. Uh, go check it out. Sylvia Moreno, Garcia, gods of jade and shadow. All right. Non-spoilery. We're going to talk about, uh, this month's pick the house in the cerulean sea by TJ Klune, Uh, Kloon was born in Roseburg, Oregon, and apparently began writing fiction as early as eight years old. Uh, Clune's influences are cited on Wikipedia as Stephen King, Wilson Rawls, Patricia Neal Warren, Robert McCammon, and Terry Pratchett. And it's our second asexual, uh, author in a row. Second ace author, uh, wrote several novels featuring queer characters, including the extraordinaries, how to be a normal person and into this river. I drown, which actually won a Lambda, uh, won a Lammy, uh, for best gay romance in 2014. Uh, on his website, in his biography, TJ Klune says, being queer himself, TJ believes it's important now more than ever to have accurate, positive queer representation in stories. Uh, that said, similar to Latsaway, I'm only part way through House, uh, it is the same tone of being who you are is not, they don't wave a flag over it. It's this character is like that and that's normal in this world. Uh, and I, mm-hmm. I, I think that's, that's a great way of doing representation, as we talked about with Alex on way because it says, yeah, no, it's normal to have an ace character. Why wouldn't you? Uh, what is more weird is that you're in a world where, you know, children have <laughs> special powers that need to be investigated by uh, someone like Linus Baker, who is a by-the-book caseworker in the department in charge of magical youth.
1: Yeah, but I think if you've read even just like the first few chapters, he's the one that's going to go on the journey, right? with exploring that idea of Mm
0: -hmm.
1: whether or not people should be able to make judgments about others based on who they are, you know, whether they're magical or cranky or whatever it is.
0: Well, and, uh, TJ Klune actually worked as an insurance examiner as a claims examiner. Uh, so I feel like he can bring that to this character, to, to the Linus Baker. Uh, but it is very much about people like Linus Baker is charged with making sure that magical regulated magical children are being handled properly. Uh, mm-hmm. And like you say, that brings up a lot of questions.
1: Yeah. So have you started it?
0: I did. Um, 10%, 10% in, uh, it's yeah. delightful. And I think you've been involved in some of the, uh, the, uh, the discussions, on the site about people saying, well, young adult, not my thing. Uh, and yeah. I, I, I don't think, I think you should try it anyway. Cause it, even though it's about children, it doesn't feel like a Harry Potter. It doesn't feel like uh, even a hunger games. It does not feel like a young adult to me.
1: I think the cover is probably misleading people a little mm. bit because it is the most whimsical cover that has come out in 10 years, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, you know, I don't want to be but... a pain about it. But...
0: <laughs> uh, and and you've read this before?
1: I have. Yeah. Um, it was one of the I was on the over the rainbow committee for ALA, which is about adult LGBTQ books. And we picked our top 10 and it's in our top 10 for last year. So it was funny that this one because I'd already given my coffee away and <laughs> So I've read it before, but I'm reading it again. And this time I'm doing the audio, Mm -hmm. which is a really fun way to kind of slow down and, you know, notice more things. So I stopped about the time where all of the people in the house on the sea have sat down to dinner so that I just kind of get a refresher of who the characters were and everything like that. Okay. So
0: so you're just like a scene later than me. Yeah. I haven't got to dinner yet, (laughs) but I'm, I'm I'm right there, right behind you. It sounds like.
1: Yeah. And I should say to you that, um, Linus, that's his name, right? Linus yeah, has great. been sent with these files that he's supposed to read about every person, every child. And if you go to the author's Instagram, he has some, uh, kind of mock-ups of some of them. It's okay. kind of fun just to look at them. They're a little cartoony, but, um, uh, kind of get the
0: sense. Yeah. Uh, I just a little bonus. can tell I'm going to like this already. It comes highly recommended and from, Gail I guess,
1: Carrick. are you doing the audio too?
0: Yeah, I am. Okay.
1: Have you heard him say the word gazebo?
0: (laughs) You know, I didn't notice it, but now that you say that, you're right. He did. I I had to kind of correct it in my head, which, I mean, I'm sure that's a perfectly legitimate pronunciation somewhere, but not anywhere I've been.
1: Yeah, I think in Italy. I went and listened to YouTube for 15 minutes just to make myself feel better because you know how you could look up, how do you pronounce? (laughs) Uh
0: (laughs) You just sat there and going gazebo, 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 gazebo. gazebo." (laughs)
1: But otherwise, I think the audio is great.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I do like I do like the performance quite a bit. Um, uh, in the book briefing on Patreon, I I pulled a quote from Gail Carriger, who called the book 1984 meets the Umbrella Cat Academy with a pinch of Douglas Adams thrown in. And she recommended it when she was on Reading Envy as well. Right.
1: Yeah. She did, you know, Gail Carriger is a longtime friend of Sword and Laser. I remember her video interview that she yeah, did yeah. with you guys where you guys had tea. Yeah, amazing. but when she came on the podcast for reading Envy, she that was one of her featured books, like one of the best books she'd read. You know, she went on and on about the author. I think she's read everything he's written. Um, she was a big fan. So that was really nice to hear.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to this. Uh I know we we started off the year even, even in December with, with some harder edge, uh, books. Uh, and it's nice to, to have a couple of, you know, even as Latoi had to deal with ghosts and death, it was, it was still lighthearted in in a lot of senses. Uh, house in the Cerulean sea seems even more lighthearted, but still with stakes. Yeah,
1: there are stakes and it's for the people that, um, are all the different people. So (laughs) their lives are at risk. <laughs> so yeah, we can't tell you more. The, um, we can't, t- don't
0: tell us why yet.
1: <laughs> I know it's hard. It's hard to talk around it. So let's talk about YA a little bit more. Can we?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we've talked about this before on the show. Uh, Veronica and I have talked about how you shouldn't dismiss young adult. There's great stories there, but I think there, there's still, there's still a bit, of a legitimate situation where someone's like, yeah, but I just don't want a story with kids in it, or I just don't want a, a school story or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, did, what do you think?
1: Well, I mean, I still can't really decide if YA is really a thing or if it's just something that sells books anyway, uh, Or <laughs> you it, know, it's like how like arbitrary a lot is of cursing
0: it? and sex. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because I mean, in some levels, I think people are thinking of YA as being too silly or too whimsical. But I feel like I know a ton of YA books that are about super serious subjects like suicide and cancer. And, mm-hmm. you know, you get that whole like cancer novel sub The Fault
0: in Our Stars was not a lighthearted book <laughs> no. in any way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think teens deal with heavy topics. And I almost think that the lightness of it is for the adults who have you know, had the bureaucratic job like Linus and maybe that's not really their calling. And it's more for people like that, you know, like it's more like it, I keep thinking of good omens mm-hmm. because of maybe one of the characters, but um, like it's Terry Pratchett or a, a, Neil Gaiman kind of feel.
0: Yeah. I'm definitely getting that, that sense from house uh, that, that it's in that tradition, even Gail Carriger compared it to Douglas Adams. Um, but I like, mm-hmm. I like what you're saying about how, Young adult is not a genre. It's it's a classification that that signals a couple of different things. Is kind of the way I look at it. Uh, it yeah. signals that you're you're not going to have certain certain graphic descriptions, maybe, um, and that uh, and that it's not even always silly. It, it can be very very deep. It's just it's not going to have a lot of. Well, I guess I'll just say it again: cursing, sex, etc. Because there's still yeah. plenty of violence in young adult books.
1: There sure is, especially in fantasy and science fiction, just like what we read. Yeah, yeah, But I do think that even if I don't think that this is a young adult novel, I think it can be enjoyed by young adults. So
0: right. I guess <laughs> we'll maybe that. would you say young adult means uh, if, if concerned parents can feel OK about their child reading it, but that doesn't mean it's limited to them.
1: Right that's a good way of looking at it. And I think it's important to look at the age of the protagonist and Linus is in his forties. So, Oh, right.
0: Yeah. I mean,
1: if, he's not YA at least. Yeah.
0: <laughs> neither is, um, you know, Ga- a lot of times people think of the Hobbit, uh, as young adult, uh, or even younger. And, uh, Gandalf is old. Yeah. <laughs> so <you> can, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's hundreds
1: it, of years, yeah. if not fast. <laughs>
0: You're going to, you're going to get old people in a young adult story. It's, it's for sure. I, I, I just don't tend to get caught up in the classifications too much. I'm more concerned with, with the story itself. And so far this story is delightful.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think people should read whatever they want to read. I just, I worry about that sub sliver of people who are just going to dismiss it because of this belief that they don't read YA and that they think it is like, those are the people I just want to like, give it a try.
0: Yeah. I, that's what sword and laser is all about. It's trying things that's right. that are new. So, uh, if you, if you try it and you get a few pages in, you don't like it, don't feel bad. Don't, you don't have to keep reading, but, but yeah, just give it a taste. Promise that this is not like a trick where we say, give it a taste and then are like, <laughs> Oh no, that's horrible. And spit it out.
1: <laughs> and now you're only going to read YA for the rest of your life. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Right. No, exactly. <laughs> you're not, you're not branded as like, Oh, you're the YA reader. You can't read anything else ever.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I'm think, looking forward to talking about like, after we can like give away all the details. Yeah, because yeah. I, I think
0: there's a lot to talk about. It, there is. There's There's, there's even just a little bit that I've read so far. It has, it has a lot of, of questions and issues uh, that it brings up. And I think it handles really interesting. And I'm, I'm curious how it's going to handle them the rest of the way through.
1: Yeah. Why do you think the title is "The House in the cerulean Sea?" <laughs> I say it wrong all the time.
0: I think I think hmm, that's a good question, and I think <laughs> I can probably answer that without being spoilery. Uh, the The cover art shows it on an island, right? Uh-huh. It's not in Okay, the so sea. the
1: island is in the sea. The island mm-hmm. is in the
0: sea. And it would be a very long title to say the house on the island in the Cerulean <laughs> Sea. And I think they really wanted to get the Cerulean Sea in there. Because why not say blue sea? Well, yes. because you wanted to say Cerulean because it's more specific. It's a pretty word. You don't want to say the house on the Cerulean Sea because that would imply it's not on the island. So I, I don't know. Maybe okay. it's just a shortcut. <laughs> is that do you buy that
1: yeah yeah no i think that makes sense you're absolutely right there's an island at play here so
0: yeah and i that's why i said i i think i don't have to say anything else other than what you see on the cover of the book uh, (laughs) to explain that so yeah um there's also some kind of spoilery things about uh our protagonist uh who and and the ocean and Yes. Other things that happen on his way to getting to the house uh, that, that we'll talk about next time.
1: Yeah. OK, that sounds good. Yeah. I, I should also say that I see the double decker bus on the cover, which may or may not play into the actual book. But I did have a dream that had a double decker bus in it. So thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> did we incept that? with this? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I, uh, I've only ever I've never been on a double decker bus in England, only outside of England. Isn't that weird? Huh. Like Sydney or Los Angeles, like, or, oh. you know, where they do the tour buses that are double uh-huh. yeah. I should try to write like sense in England someday, someday
1: requirement.
0: <laughs> well, Jenny, thank you so much uh, for, uh, for stepping in and guest hosting. We really appreciate it. Uh, tell folks about reading envy and where they can go to find more about it.
1: Well, reading envy is a podcast where I just talk to normal readers about what they're reading. And you can find me in almost every podcast app, but um, you can go directly to readingenvy.blogspot.com if you want to see some of the episodes or subscribe.
0: And of course, uh, the folks on Goodreads can also find Jenny uh, in our Sword and Laser Goodreads as well. So if you haven't popped over there, you'll see her... Uh, participating in a bunch of the conversations there. Our show is currently entirely funded by our patrons. Thank you to all the folks who back our show. And if you would like to become one of them, head on over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. You're literally helping feed Veronica's baby by doing, that. Uh, you can also support the show by buying books through our links, find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at sword slash picks. Please review us in your podcast player of choice, Uh, whether that's Apple Podcasts or something else. You can email us feedback at swordandlaser.com. Swordandlaser.com is our website. We're on Instagram and Twitter at swordandlaser. And And of course, the aforementioned goodreads.com. Talk to you next time.
1: Shows. Visit frogpants.com. Audio programs so good, it's like you're there.